this the nightcap? Yo, this is Patrick. Is this the nightcap? No, this is Patrick. Is this the nightcap? No, this is Patrick. Time now for the nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. All right, we got a game in the books. The Steelers top the Baltimore Ravens. A little Wednesday afternoon football. I didn't mind it. It's normally a soccer sporting hour for me, but Champions League, Premier League, they don't want to be on TV in the United States anymore. They go to streaming apps and nobody has, so that's not on the table. So you get a little NFL action today. Pittsburgh sits at 11-0. Are they the most under-talked-about 16-0 chase ever? They might do it. There are two games against the Ravens. Their biggest challenge in the division, you would think, are done with two wins. One on the road against a healthy Ravens team. One, you know, an easier game today against a Ravens team that was missing its starting quarterback. Multiple key pieces on defense. Matthew Judon. Both their corners were injured in this game. Marcus Peters and Jimmy Smith. Missing their top two running backs. J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram. Pittsburgh at home just narrowly beat a Trace McSorley-led injured Ravens team. I'm not giving them a ton of credit for that win. But Pittsburgh's the real deal. 803-0550 is the phone number. It's the nightcap here on WGR. Joe DiBiase here for the next hour. Uh, I did my tiers yesterday. I had the Steelers and the Bills on the same tier, tier two, right below the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know how you can disrespect the Steelers anymore, and I know that they have had an easy schedule, but they've beat everybody. And if you're wondering why I'm getting into this to start the show, I'm getting into it a little bit on Twitter with some listeners and some fans on what is Pittsburgh? What are the Steelers? They are so interesting right now in that they are undefeated. Nobody is talking about them going 16-0, even though they have a realistic shot of doing it. And you want to, you know, fans want to get to they are lucky and they are not that great quicker than they want to get to is this team historic? Are they on the verge of something historic? As you might know, or you probably don't know, the 72 Dolphins, who went undefeated 14-0, however many years ago that is now, 48, almost 50 years ago now, that team played a schedule under a 400 win percentage. You might not have known that. The Dolphins in 72 played opponents that had a combined record of under a 400 win percentage. Under 40% of their games they won. And does anybody remember that? Does anybody talk about that? Did anybody bring that up when the Patriots were going for 16-0 over 10 years ago now? Does anybody ever bring that up when you think of the 72 Dolphins? No. And a big reason maybe is they backed it up after the regular season. But... Nobody talks about that with their undefeated regular season. Pittsburgh right now, yeah, they've played easy games. 
I don't give you credit for beating Trace McSorley. I don't give you credit for beating the Jaguars or the Bengals or the Dak Prescottless Cowboys or the Eagles, anybody in the NFC East, and they play the whole NFC East this year. They got lucky. I don't give you credit for beating the Texans at home or even Drew Locke and the Broncos, but there have only been a few, but every hard game Pittsburgh has been faced with, they have won. They went on the road and beat the Tennessee Titans. That's a great win. I might want to qualify that as a better win than anything the Bills got. In fact, I would. I think the Titans are a better team than the Seahawks and the Rams. For me personally, I mean, I tiered all of these teams yesterday. I had the Titans one tier above the Seahawks and the Rams. The Steelers went on the road and won that game. The Bills' two wins against those NFC West opponents were at home. So to me, Pittsburgh's got a win the Bills don't have. And the other team I would put on that pedestal with the Bills and the Steelers is obviously the Chiefs. I put the Chiefs at peg above that. And the Chiefs' best win is at the Bills. And, you know, if you want to play the game of, well, who beat who? Well, the Titans destroyed the Bills. And Kansas City beat the Bills on the road. Pittsburgh beat the Titans on the road. So, you know, nationally right now, what would people consider to be a better win at Tennessee or at Buffalo? And I think most people tell you at Tennessee. I think it's right there. I think it's pretty darn close. I think the Titans and the Bills are about the same level of good this season. If I were making Super Bowl odds, I'd probably have them exactly the same. So to me, they're the same. But still, Pittsburgh's best win is the same as the Chiefs' best win. The Chiefs have a couple of other good ones. At Tampa Bay is a good win. At the Las Vegas Raiders is good, even though you lost to them at home. But again, we're only talking about wins here, not your losses. And then Kansas City and Pittsburgh have both won in Baltimore. So if you look at the Steelers' top four wins on the season, at Tennessee, they won. At Baltimore, home against Cleveland, where they destroyed them 38-6. Like, not even close. They smashed an 8-3 team. And our... You know, do the, do the Browns deserve to be 8-3? and three? No. But there's a difference between a lucky 8-3 and three team and a bad team. They're not bad. If they sh- Maybe they shouldn't be 8-3. and three. They should be at least 6-5, and five, if not 7-4. and four. That's a good win. And then you won, on, you won just now at home against the Ravens as well. Still a really good defense. They didn't have anything working on offense. So you beat half of a Ravens team to me. And I'll give you some credit for that. Some credit. That's their top four wins. At Tennessee, at Baltimore, home Cleveland, home Baltimore. What's the Bills' best four wins right now? Now the Bills, I do think they have this box checked over the Steelers. I don't think it's a crazy difference, though, and that's the point I'm trying to make here. Everyone's talking about the Steelers have played a cupcake schedule. That's why they're 11-0. We should not be taking them seriously in the AFC, or as seriously as their record says. But the Bills' top four wins, to me, are pretty comparable. What's the Bills' top four wins? I mentioned Seattle and L.A. Beating the Seahawks and the Rams at home, those are both very good wins. Very good wins. Those are two good teams. They are not complete teams. I don't consider those teams to be Super Bowl contenders, but those are bona fide playoff teams that you beat. And you did it in a fashion, by the way, with Josh Allen lighting the world on fire. You won it in the right way. Then, what's next after that? I mean, the way the season has gone on here, I would say at the Raiders is the Bills' third best win. The Raiders have been very inconsistent. I mean, just when you thought after two 
great games against the Chiefs, one in which they won, one which which they had a close loss. They follow it up, and they remind everybody you can't trust them by laying an egg in Atlanta, who is, is terrible. So, you know, despite that recent inconsistency, the Raiders have still had a pretty good season. They might make the playoffs. And I would say on the road against that team, that's the Bills' third best win. That's a pretty good win. And then their fourth best win is probably at Miami. I, I'm not convinced the Dolphins are all that great. I think they're pretty good. I think I might be giving them more credit than even most Bills fans would. So I would say because that game was on the road, the Dolphins have had a pretty nice season since. I'll say the Bills' fourth best win in the season was that. It was at Miami. Is that really, again, is that all that different? Is beating Seattle and L.A. at home and then beating the Raiders and the Dolphins on the road, is that so much better than Pittsburgh beating Tennessee and Baltimore on the road and then beating Cleveland and Baltimore at home? I don't consider that to be a major difference. Baltimore does not look good. Don't get me wrong. But they are in the same tier, the same category to me as the Raiders and the Dolphins are and the Browns. All those teams are the same. So, you can't just discount the Steelers because of what their schedule's been. Yeah, they have not had a lot of hard games, but they've had a couple, and they've won them all. So you've got to give credit where credit's due. No, they're not the Chiefs. <laughs> if you really wanted to respect them to the full length of what their record is, you would say they are the Super Bowl favorite. So, don't get me wrong. I don't think they're as good as their record, I guess, is what I'm saying. But this is an elite team. And if we were saying they were as good as their record, we would consider them to be a favorite over Kansas City. And I don't think anybody would do that. I don't think anybody would do that. But they're going to come to Buffalo in two weeks. And I will say I would... Would I pick the Bills in that game? I That one's going to be a coin toss for me. I think those are the second and third best teams in the conference. And for as good as the Bills have been, and for what they've done against a challenging schedule versus Pittsburgh against a schedule that is much more favorable, I think they are very close. They're very close. But it's just interesting to me. Everyone likes to dunk on the Steelers for the schedule that they've played. And nobody's talking about them going 16-0. They will be the strangest 16-0 team ever. Because if they go 16-0, I think for a little while, I think eventually you'll get to a point where what I mentioned with the 72 72 Dolphins, that will happen. Time will go on. We'll forget about the strength of schedule and everybody talking about their cupcake schedule. And we'll just remember, hey, remember the Steelers went 16-0. Ben Roethlisberger, a Hall of Fame quarterback, went undefeated. That's what we'll remember. And for the next couple of years, for the playoffs, it'll just be weird. It'll be like, wow, they went 16-0. And does anybody think that they were a 16-0 team? Like that good? Like a historically good team? Because it's something that is so historic and so rare that you only think of it for the best of the best. Even the chase, let alone actually accomplishing it. I think they do it. Or at least I think they have a good chance of doing it. I think if they beat the Bills, I think they do it. 
I think that Bills game is their toughest game. I think that might be the only game that they end up being an underdog. In fact, right now, though, they are a favorite. The Steelers today would be a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road against the Bills on Sunday Night Football. I wonder, as we get closer to that game, as we see the Bills play next week, as we see the Steelers play another game, if that line comes back towards the Bills side. We'll see. But I think that's going to be their toughest game. The Steelers, the rest of their schedule, is home against Washington. They should absolutely win that game. At the Bengals, with a backup quarterback, either Brandon Allen, Ryan Finley, I don't care who it is, the Steelers win that football game. All right, now we're at 13 wins. Home against the Colts. That is their second toughest game to me. That is a challenging opponent. The Colts are complete. They don't have the level of quarterback play to vault them into Super Bowl contention, in my eyes, but... The defense is amazing. They have a good running game. Not a great one. They have a good running game. A great offensive line and good weapons around the quarterback. And Phillip Rivers is just good enough to where he can utilize everything around him and he can make you a playoff team, maybe even a division winner. You play that team at home. They'll be favored. They should win that game. They don't have to win that game. Then at Cleveland. And... As I said, the Browns are 8 and 3. I think of them more as like a 6 and 5 good team. Like I think they're they're getting the benefit of what the Steelers have too. AFC North are playing an easy schedule. And I think Cleveland has benefited from that a little bit. You look at I just went through the Bills, Chiefs and the Steelers, their best wins on the season. And all three teams, I would say have four pretty good wins. Who's the who are the Browns good wins? Who? You did one game against the Colts. That's a good win. You beat the Colts. But the rest of their wins. Listen to the other seven wins from Cleveland. Jacksonville, Philadelphia, Houston, Cincinnati, Dallas, Washington, and Cincinnati. That's not good. That's brutal. What's what's their second best win? Is it one of the NFC East teams? Maybe. Maybe it's that maybe it's that Cowboys game. On the road against Dak Prescott, who was still playing by then. That's probably their second best win. But the Cowboys defense is dreadful. It's one of the worst in the league. So yeah, they had Prescott, but they weren't even a good team before he got hurt. So maybe that's it, but that's not impressive. That's not impressive. And that's the Steelers week 17 matchup. I'm not sure it'll matter. Unless they really are 15-0 and going for 16-0. And Cleveland is also playing for something. But that's their schedule. They'll beat the Bengals. They should beat Washington. And then they'd have to sweep Bills, Colts, Browns in order to go 16-0. I think they are favored in every game except maybe the Bills game. So they've got a shot at it. They've got a shot. They've got a shot at it. And... They will be incredibly interesting when the Bills play them on Sunday Night Football in two weeks. So that's the game that just went down. Steelers beating the Ravens 19-14. to Quick thought on the other side of that game before we talk some Bills the rest of the way. They're in trouble. And I'm not just saying for the long term. Because typically, that's where my mind immediately goes. It's, alright, this team is struggling The quarterback is struggling. What does that mean to their future? What does that mean to Lamar Jackson being a franchise quarterback? What does that mean to the coaching staff? You know, all of that. Baltimore's in trouble for right now. 
they are in trouble to even make the playoffs. They are currently sitting at 6-5. and five, And I'm not taking a lot out of this game they just lost. Robert Griffin III is starting at quarterback. He gets hurt like in the second or third quarter. Leg injury all day. Basically took them out of everything they wanted to do. One big reason they have RG3 as their backup quarterback is so that they are able to run the exact same offense that they run when Lamar Jackson is in there at quarterback. And when he lost his mobility, when he was limping around there in the third quarter, they had to go to an offense they're not used to running, where it's just strict running the football, it's not a lot of motion in the backfield, it's not a lot of guys you know, stacked up in the backfield where RG3's got two guys on his side and one guy behind him. It was a more basic, vanilla-looking offense. And they took him out and they put in Trace McSorley. And they got a big touchdown at the end, a 75-yarder to Hollywood Brown. Kind of a broken play, though. Uh, The corner kind of fell over himself, and he took it to the house. So there's not really much you could take away for the long term for Baltimore. But just in terms of where they sit in the standings, they're in trouble. And that's good for the Bills, and that's good for any other team that could potentially play them in the first round. I don't want to play Baltimore. I don't think other teams that are currently in divisional spots – like the Chiefs, like the Titans, like the Steelers, probably want to play the Ravens. I've kind of bashed them all season. I don't think they have a passing offense that can win in the playoffs. I don't think they have the passing offense that can win big in this league. They can't beat the Chiefs. I don't think they have it in them to beat the Kansas City Chiefs the way they play football, and they don't have it. They don't have the plan B to drop back and pass 35-plus times a game and win that type of way. They don't possess that capability. I bash them a lot for that. But if you're the Bills, if you're the Titans, and they get you bogged down in a defensive running matchup, that's dangerous. And that's a team you don't want to play in that setting. And right now, if you don't want to play them, you're looking pretty good for them missing. You're looking decent. Right now, the Ravens sit at 6-5. and five. That's the 9 seed in the AFC. Top 7 make it. Reminder, there was an added playoff team this year. They went from 6-7. to seven. Baltimore sits ninth, Tied with Vegas at 6-5. and five. The Raiders sit one spot ahead of them on a tiebreaker. Um, and then you've got Indianapolis, Miami at 7-4. and four, Cleveland at 8-3. And... Three. and if the good news is, if you want to keep Baltimore out, to me, the two worst teams there are Miami and Cleveland. They sit 5th and 6th. Cleveland because of the better record, Miami because of a tiebreaker. And for the Dolphins to right now have an extra win and the tiebreaker over the Baltimore Ravens, that's good news for teams that are going to be hosting home playoff games in the first round. Give me Miami all day. Over Baltimore. Give me Cleveland all day over Baltimore. And right now there's a two-game gap between those teams with only a couple of games to play. The Ravens are in trouble. And I think the Colts are good. I think the Colts end up making it. I think you're going to get two teams out of the AFC South. So I would just, that doesn't have to happen, but I would assume that those two teams are going. And then you've got four teams battling for two spots. Cleveland, Miami, Las Vegas, and Baltimore. And Baltimore right now is coming from way back. Not in terms of the record, but teams they got to leap over. They got to beat two of those teams. They got to win on tiebreakers, and they don't have a lot of time to do it. They're running out of games. It's kind of like it's like a major golf championship. 
You know, like the leader is maybe in the clubhouse at 18 under par, and there's a guy in the course at 16 under. It's like, oh, he's only back two holes, or he's only back two shots, but he's on 16. He's running out of holes. He's got to do it now. That is, to me, where the Ravens sit. The Ravens are running out of holes, and they've lost a couple in a row here, and now they're in danger. Now, the good news for them is their schedule does soften up. They haven't done anything to make me think they could just beat anybody and just assume they're going to beat anybody. You know, they lost to the Patriots a couple of weeks ago. Um, They had a very close game with the Eagles, who look just terrible right now. The Eagles almost beat them a few weeks back. So, Dallas is coming up, then Cleveland, then the Jaguars, then the Giants, then the Bengals. I think for Baltimore to make the playoffs, they've got to go 4-1. and one. You go 4-1 and one and hope Miami only wins two more, goes 2-3 and three the rest of the way. And who? You need the Raiders to go 3-2 and two and not 4-1 and one or undefeated. You need the Browns in that situation to go 1-4, and four, which you could help that along by beating them. That's what's going on. With the Ravens. They're in trouble. They're, even with their schedule being easy, I think they are in trouble. And it will be, to me, very difficult for them to get in if they don't beat Cleveland in a couple of weeks. Monday Night Football on December 14th is the Ravens at the Browns. And Cleveland all but clinches having a better record than Baltimore with that win. And that's a game Baltimore needs. So, good news for the Bills... And Bills fans, if you don't want to play Baltimore and you would rather play Cleveland or Miami or even Las Vegas, that loss to Pittsburgh just now was actually pretty big for that. 803-0550 is the phone number. We'll get into the Bills a little bit when we come back. Feel free to have your calls uh, waiting on hold here. We'll get you right after the break coming up. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase. This is WGR. Smoke a huge part of our offense, so kind of adjusting on the fly. And, uh, you know, we got a bunch of young guys that can play, young guys that we want, like Gabe Davis. We asked the young guy to grow up fast, you know, come out here, play fast, do your job. And he's been doing a great job all year. He's made some plays. We're going to look for him to make a lot more of them because I can see a lot of potential in him. That's just what the job calls for. You know, you don't want to get comfortable without a guy, but uh, we can't stop. The offense can't stop. We got to keep rolling, find ways to win, putting running backs out there and stuff like that, making them run some routes as well. But anything we got to do to win, of course, we're not going to get. Brown. Hope he has a speedy recovery so he can come back soon. But uh, just, you know, next man up, Monson. Bills wide receiver Stephon Diggs talking about the loss of John Brown for the next couple of weeks. He missed last Sunday against the Chargers as well. It is a big loss for the Bills. We are seeing it now. I made a point last night of talking about Kenny Stills as an option for the Bills. Just another depth wide receiver, to my knowledge. I have not seen him sign anywhere. Um, What's talked about most for him are the Green Bay Packers and even the Kansas City Chiefs. Just looking for wide receiver depth. I don't even need him to play over Gabriel Davis, by the way. Davis is nice. I think Davis is a good player. But to me, if he's having an off game or you feel like you want to go with a veteran guy that you can trust a little bit more, maybe Stills is your man. That's, by the way, just insurance to John Brown uh, if he can't get healthy by the end of the season, by the time they start playing playoff games. So all he would be anyways to me is insurance. 
I, I think it's a good idea to sign Kenny Stills, and I don't even know if I ever need to see him on the field. Just to have him in your back pocket in case you start getting thin. And if you get to a point where you don't want to have to trust a fourth-round rookie in a big spot, which you might want, you might not want to do, you know? 803-0550 is the phone number. We are going to talk some San Francisco 49ers, and we're going to hear from Joe Shasky in a couple of minutes. 95-7, the game in San Francisco. Great interview with uh, Howard and Jeremy this morning. So we'll get to that as we progress. Let's take some calls, though. Talked a lot about the Steelers and the Ravens, the two teams that we just saw play on Wednesday afternoon football. Might be the only time you ever hear that. Wednesday afternoon football. Pittsburgh over Baltimore without Lamar Jackson, without their top two running backs, without some pieces on defense, including Matthew Judon. They fall to 6-5. and five. They're in trouble. They have an easy schedule, but they have to win. Every, every game that they should win, Baltimore has to win it. They can't have one more misstep, or they're not going to make it. They sit at 6-5. and five. They are the nine seed in the AFC. On the flip side, Pittsburgh's 11-0. Nobody's talking about their 16-0 chase, but they've got one right now. The Bills might be the biggest thing that stands in the way, by the way, between Pittsburgh and going 16-0 because, again, I think that Bills game in a couple weeks might be the only game that the Steelers are not favored between now and the end of the season. 803 is the phone number. Any thoughts on the AFC as a whole? Let me know. Let's go to Jerry first. Jerry, you're on the... You're on the uh, nightcap. What's up? Oh, not much, Joe. You, you know what's funny? Um, this is a weird year, in, and and the sport in general is a little weird. Like you were comparing teams. How do the Ra- uh, the Raiders, Las Vegas, beat Kansas City? Should have probably beat them the second time. Just get absolutely throttled by a bad football team this week. It's. I think this league is about the quarterback, which it's always about. Some some which team like Atlanta is dangerous because they have you know Matt Ryan. And the second thing is matchups and injuries, which go hand-in-hand. Hand. If you match up well against the team, even though they might be significantly better record than you wise, and divisional stuff you know, is very important. And coaching. I'll give you a perfect example of coaching. If Kyle Shanahan was the coach of the San Diego Chargers, how much would you have feared last week? A lot more. If, if Anthony Lynn's the coach of the 49ers, how much are you fearing Monday night? A, a gimme, especially. Not at all. Yeah. yeah, it's. I think the strategy of the league, I think there's a lot at play. You know, quarterback is the most important thing, but matchups are critical. That's why you see divisional games usually are close. You know, it does, you know Vegas and, and Kansas City are in the same division. That's why maybe the way those games are close, they know each other so well. The matchups are, are important. And the only thing that really affects matchups a lot of times can be injuries. I, today's game, I watched a lot of it. It felt a lot like the Denver-New um, Orleans game last week where Pittsburgh was playing like New Orleans. Well, we can't lose this. Just don't do something stupid. You know, like yep. just grind it out. Don't make a big mistake. And, you know, they don't have enough to beat us, which almost costs them, you know? Yeah. Yeah, th- thanks for the call, Jerry. Th- I think that's about right on Pittsburgh. I, I think that they deserve-, they deserve some credit, though, for that, that they don't have that misstep. Like the Raiders, you mentioned, they lose to Atlanta. Big, by the way, to Atlanta. 43-6, to or was it even 48-6, to so 40-something to 6. The Raiders lost to the Falcons. And, yeah, there's something to be said for you only play bad teams. But there's also something for saying if you beat 15 bad teams – we are pretty darn sure you're a lot better than a bad team because you just you don't mess up. 
And they should deserve some credit for that. I'm not saying they should be favored over the Chiefs, like the record would tell you. But they are at least right there with the Bills. And I I don't think you have to say the Steelers are better than the Bills. I I just don't think you can call the Bills or the um, Titans. I don't think you could call those teams better than Pittsburgh. I think there's a clear second tier in the AFC. It's the Bills, the Titans, and the Steelers. That's where I'm at in this conference. I don't need any of those three teams to be higher than the other. I don't need any of those three teams to be lower than the other. Any of those three teams on a perfect day for their offense, especially, can beat the Chiefs. But those might be the only three teams, honestly. 803 is the phone number. Let's go to Jonathan. Jonathan, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Hey, Joe. Um, I, I, I agree with you. Um, I definitely, the Bills are in that second tier. Um, about the Baltimore Ravens, yeah, I really don't think they're going to make the playoffs, and I'm glad because I really want to face um, – I guess I'll be okay facing Miami, but I really want to face Cleveland in the first round. They're the team that scares me the least. But I look at the Buffalo Bills, and they are very close or, or probably at Super Bowl contention. I mean, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, and maybe Tennessee are the only three teams in the AFC that could um, that really scare me. If the Bills can correct some of their issues, I think we can make a run this year. Thanks for the call, Jonathan. That's where I'm at, too. Um, I, I think playoff seeding will matter as well. You know, Avoid Baltimore in the first round. Get Tennessee in round two. And now we're talking. I don't know if you can get Tennessee, by the way, in round two. Or Pittsburgh. Really, think of it that way. Because maybe I'm thinking way too far ahead. I'm sure I am. But let's just, for the sake of conversation, say the Bills win the division and they win the first game. Either against Miami, Cleveland... Las Vegas, Indianapolis, whoever it may be. How do you get away from the Chiefs in round two? Well, as it stands right now, you're good. You'd be the four seed. And if I remember correctly, there's no, there is, is there reseeding in the NFL? Maybe I should know that for sure before I get into this. But as I see it right now, you're the four seed, second round, you play the Steelers, the one seed. And if you are in turn the three seed, Right now, you'd play the Chiefs. So, to me, just avoid Kansas City at all costs. And maybe I get lucky and I don't have to play them in the AFC Championship game, or I just got to take them down in the AFC Championship game. You know? And maybe you get lucky. Avoid them at all costs. I think the Bills can beat any other team in this conference. And I do think they can beat the Chiefs. Just, you know, if they played 100 times, I might only pick the Bills to win 30 of them. Whereas any other team, it might be at least 50-50. If not them, you know, like the Raiders or the Dolphins or the Browns. I'm picking the Bills almost every time. So, just get away from Kansas City. And that's where I'm at with Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh deserves respect, but not enough to where, you know, like a, a round two hypothetical question like this, they'll be my answer on who I want to play. Them or the Titans. All right, 803 is the phone number if anyone else wants to jump in on the conversation. Let's go to our interview of the day, though, and we'll go back to the morning show. Joe Shasky from 95.7 The Fan in San Francisco. The Bills' upcoming opponent is the San Francisco 49ers. Let's hear a little bit more about them. Here is Joe with the guys here earlier today. 
Joe, it's uh, it's Howard and Jeremy. Thanks for coming on with us this morning. What's up, Howard? What's up, Jeremy? Are you guys ready to take an L this week against our oh, backup Oh, you're killing me. Against your backup quarterback. You're ki- you know, maybe J- Joe, I'd, honestly, you know what, Joe? We've been talking about San Francisco each week. My feeling changes on, what, changes on whether they're good or not and whether or not the Bills can win this game. This has been a really weird team to try and figure out. <laughs> you're telling me. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm a fifth-generation San Franciscan. I've had 49ers season tickets my entire life. My grandfather's had them going back to Kizar when they actually were in San Francisco. I have done the full 360 degrees of thought process when it comes to this team. Super Bowl contender. Oh, my God, the entire team is hurt. Oh, my God, the quarterback's terrible. Get rid of him tomorrow. Nick Bosa tears his ACL. What is this coach doing? What is this GM who never had a job before and John Lynch doing with the (laughs) personnel decisions of trading away DeForest Buckner? He looks like his defensive player of the year. Oh, my God, they might actually have a chance. No, they don't. They get roped. By, by Matt uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yep. Next thing you know, season's a wash. We're going to be in the quarterback roulette draft this year. Can we lose enough games to get one of those guys? Oh, you're telling me there's a chance? <laughs> and now I am allowing myself to actually dream about the playoffs because I look at the NFC and it's just a wash of garbage teams. So let me ask you. Okay, that's, that's, that's the whole point, right? Joe, we're looking at it. The Niners team that's going to play the Bills on Monday without Garoppolo, without Kittle, without Bosa, without Thomas, without any, you know, whoever else you want to throw on the list. Are they good? Well, here's the thing. The 49ers' defense is really, really good. And they had a bunch of people that were injured on that defense. There's no Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa is a defensive player of the year. Can't. This guy's Probably the best 49er defensive player they've had since Patrick Willis. That's saying something. Patrick Willis, in my opinion, is one of the greatest football players I've ever seen in my life. And, and Bosa was that good. So you lose that guy, you lose the heart and soul of that defense. But they've reinvented themselves. There's a guy you're going to see this week. He doesn't get a lot of love. Fred Warner, he's probably playing the position of linebacker as well as anyone in the league right now. He's got Trey Greenlaw alongside of him. Think, think Erlacher, Lance Briggs. That's the way these two are. They're enforcers. And then they've got a bunch of random dudes up front who no one's ever heard of. And some guy named Kerry Hyder Jr. has six and a half sacks. They picked him up off the trash heap. They shined him up. And now he's our treasure. The guy's having a monster year. The secondary's healthy again. They just got Sherman back. They're kind of flipping him between corner and safety. They're playing three safeties at times. They're playing four corners at times. Out of necessity, they have experimented on defense, and this is why Robert Sala, the defensive coordinator, is such a hot head coaching candidate right now. He has made the most out of the least. And last year, they had a fully healthy team. They were completely dominant. In a weird way, this is a more impressive job he's done this year to maintain a top-10 defense, given that everybody is hurt. <laughs> and they were number four against the pass, I think is what I saw, and last week coming in, coming in off a win over – the Rams. The Bills beat that Rams team and had a good first half against Jared Goff, but then he ultimately got things going. What was it last week that San Francisco was able to do to the Rams to keep them in check? Well, they just own they own Goff and they own McVay. There's no other way around it. Shanahan is the master Yoda to his Luke Skywalker, if you will. He knows all of his tricks. He knows everything that he's going to do. They, they adjust so well, and they out-physical the offensive line of the uh, of the Rams every single time they play them. And here's the other thing. On offense, 
they got Debo Samuel back. Debo Samuel yeah. is a very unique player. He's not a normal wide receiver. He plays the game like he's a damn running back. He's out there trying to kill people. I'm serious. You guys know about Percy Harvin. Think about Percy Harvin if he ran like Marshawn Lynch. That's the way Debo Samuel runs the ball. He's a hybrid player, wide receiver, but they use him on end arounds. They use him as a running back. The minute he gets the ball in his hands, he's looking to kill people. And even Jalen Ramsey, as great as he is, wanted no part of tackling Debo Samuel. They also got Raheem Mostert back, the star of the NFC Championship game last year. And so they're much healthier on the offensive side of the ball in the last couple of weeks. But here's the problem. Nick Mullins is hot garbage. So just like Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, you're, you're, you're questioning, is this quarterback good enough? Well, I know for a fact Nick Mullins is not good enough. And so Kyle Shanahan has had to scheme everything up. There's smoke and mirrors to move the ball on offense. But they've got elite skill position players. Brandon Ayuk is a stud rookie. Debo's a beast. Raheem Mostert's a beast. And Jordan Reed, who I'm sure you guys are familiar with in the Northeast, uh, it's a nice little backup tight end with Kittle out. So maybe last place in a really competitive division, right? I mean, the, the NFC West is pretty pretty tough. Garoppolo out. Are they in the quarterback sweepstakes next year? Not Maybe not a draft, but a trade, uh, a, a, a free agent, uh, a veteran that might be on the move, or does Garoppolo get another kick at the can? You know, this is the great conundrum that we're dealing with every single day on our show. Every single day. I, ever since coming out of the Minnesota game in the divisional round, I, I told my, my co-host, Bonte, I said, B, I'm telling you, Jimmy ain't the dude. I sit in the end zone. I got the all-22 view. I've been watching quarterbacks my whole life. The dude was locked up. Kyle Shanahan creates every single pass for him. It's very clearly defined one-read situations for Jimmy Garoppolo. It's the same thing for Nick Mullins. Does he come back? I think he does. I think they try to work out some sort of a financial resolution where they can maybe chop five to ten million bucks off of his current deal without cutting them. Because if I'm being honest with you, if they go in and draft some poor kid and put him out there, it's going to be sink or swim. And I just don't think Kyle's ready to do that right now. You need to be functional at quarterback. Jimmy's not great, but at least he's functional. And when you're non-functional at quarterback, you guys know your, your organization has no chance of winning. This team still has an unbelievable roster. So if you're asking me right now, I lean Jimmy Garoppolo stays, but he probably gets a pay reduction. Hmm. Hey, since uh, since Mullins is, I believe the term was hot garbage, since he's hot garbage, <laughs> you know, we, we think of San Francisco last year. I, you probably don't think about Garoppolo. Like, I think about certainly the playoff games, them bludgeoning people with their running game. So the numbers are down this year, Joe, and I know you know they had a run of injuries at that position. What's going on, especially if Mullins isn't that good as a passer? How Did the Bills just load up and stop the run? Is that the plan to play San Francisco? Every single week the plan is stuff the box, take away the first read from the quarterback. Yeah. That's been the plan going back to last year. I mean, that's the, the final five games of the season. Again, this is why I was screaming to the high heavens, Jimmy Garoppolo, he's fine. But he ain't the dude. Like, the, the dude you know is someone who can get to a second, third, fourth progression, make plays when there are no plays to be had. So, yes, they're going to stuff the box. They're going to dare Nick Mullins to try to deliver the ball down the field to his second or third read. Here's the thing. Kyle Shanahan's a damn wizard. I mean, the guy is a damn wizard. And so he's going to do everything he can to use misdirection and all of his pre-snap motions. And he's going to basically try to trick the defense into giving Nick Mullins easy to find 
first read options right across the field. That's why they run so many slants, so many smoke screens, so many reverses and end arounds. You're going to see a lot of pre-snap motion this week. And it's all the doctor things up to get the defense moving one way or the other so Shanahan can bludgeon them on the other side. So listen, in, in, you know, I know you mentioned Ayuk, but again, if you had to design your defensive game plan, you talked about taking away the first read, would you, you would really put your eggs in the Samuel basket? You got to stop him first and foremost? Yeah, yeah, but here's the thing. I mean, Debo Samuel, like I told you, he is not a normal uh, wide receiver. Yeah. This guy plays the game like he's a running back. He is trying to take people's heads off. I mean, he had so many opportunities last week to just go out of bounds. Oh, 25-yard run, I can go out of bounds. No, no, no. Let me try to lay the safety out in the final yard or two before I step out of bounds. The dude is absolutely wired like a running back, and, yeah. and that's why I worry about him because he's going to stay dinged up if he's trying to KO everyone every single week. It's easier said than done is what I would say to try to take away Debo Samuel. This guy is a physical SEC-type player. He's built from the waist down like a running back, and his mentality is, I'm going to run through you. I know everybody loves George Kittle. He's a great player, but it's the exact same mentality for Debo Samuel, and it's almost like a defensive, I'm trying to kill everyone every time I touch them on the field mentality. He's so hard to take down. You think you want to tackle him, then he lays you out, and then guys get a little alligator army as the game goes on. So yeah, you want to try to take that away, but guys, be honest with you, it's up front. This offensive line has been horrible all year. They traded for Trent Williams. He's been kind of a big disappointment. They're on their fourth starting center. The right guard is absolutely terrible. The offensive line has been putrid. That's why they can't run the ball, and everyone in the league knows, stuff the box, they're the quarterback to beat you. All right, there is Joe Shasky from 95.7 The Game in San Francisco. Quick timeout here, and then when we come back, I've not, big boxing guy here, we have not yet spoken on either Monday show or Tuesday show about the Mike Tyson fight on Saturday. I've got thoughts on that. Not necessarily the fight itself, but the attention paid to it and the reaction to it. That after this, here on the Nightcap on WGR. All right, quick segment here on the Nightcap. Joe DiBiase here on WGR. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in tonight. There was a fight on Saturday. Just wanted to get to it real quick. Didn't talk about it on Monday or Tuesday. Bigger things were on the table, bills-wise. Even we talked some Sabres. But... Mike Tyson was back in the ring fighting Roy Jones Jr. on Saturday night. And real quick on that first, before I even get into the actual thing, everybody that tweets or says, likes to say on nights like that, that boxing really is dead, that always sticks in my craw because it's old guys. Like this isn't, this shouldn't be what you're judging it on. I get that that's why it is, because boxing has become a sport where the only guys that are big names, for the most part, are the guys that are retired and are done. Whereas the guys that are actually kings of the sport right now, like Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder and Triple G, Gennady Golovkin and Canelo Alvarez, like those guys don't get, they don't get the limelight, you know? So you're judging it on the wrong people. I understand that it's dead compared to what it used to be, but the sport actually has incredible talent at the highest levels. But the problem is it gets judged on these sideshows like what we saw on Saturday night. 
or like what we saw a couple of years ago where a retired Floyd Mayweather is fighting a UFC fighter in Conor McGregor. Like, that's what the sport then gets judged on. Rather than other fights like Triple G and Canelo, who, which happened a week after that Mayweather and McGregor fight, that was incredible. It was incredible boxing. And last Saturday, there's two 50-plus-year-old guys in the ring, and it's, it's fun, right? Oh, there's Mike Tyson, and there's Roy Jones Jr. Like, there's some nostalgia. I know Snoop Dogg is doing the color commentary. Like, oh, this is fun, right? And we've got basketball players and YouTubers fighting on the card right before. Like, this is fun. But it's not what that sport should be judged on because there are actual talented guys at the top that I think have become a bit of a resurgence in the last couple of years. There weren't Tyson Furies and Deontay Wilders and Anthony Joshua's a couple of years ago. But that sport, to me, is having a little minor comeback, but it can't kind of break through because we get distracted and we, that we judge it by 54-year-old Mike Tyson is still at the top of the sport. And that's how it's seen. And that's frustrating. He's going to fight again, by the way. Fine, go ahead. I, you know what? Like It annoys me that that part of it exists where that's what the sport gets judged on is those sideshows. But I like the sideshows. I enjoy them. I know what they are. You know, I don't expect Mike Tyson, Roy Jones in their 50s to be a good fight. It was fine. It was entertaining. It's exactly what you would have expected. No one's going in there trying to kill each other. You're trying to make some money and have a little fun. And that's what that was. So... That's my little spiel on Saturday's fight. All right, thanks everybody for listening tonight. More on the Bills and 49ers in the coming days, especially tomorrow night. I will not be here on Friday. So tomorrow we'll do a deep dive into the 49ers and the matchup that presents the Bills on Monday Night Football. Thanks everybody for listening tonight. Talk to you tomorrow at 7. This has been the Nightcap on WGR.